Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, the J10 Initiative. Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know. This is Father Mike and Jacob Machado. Almost last time that I won't have to announce is just Jacob Machado. Oh, you're going you're gonna to do the title thing. The next one, I'll be able to say Deacon Jacob. Reverend Mister. <laughs> Reverend, Reverend Mister. Somewhat Reverend, sometimes Mister. Well, before we get into diaconate, well, cheers. Cheers. I got coffee. I think this yeah. is uh, donut shop coffee and yours is Columbia Roast. I can taste the difference. Hope that's okay. Um, I have a how to catch, let's see, wait, wait, how to find a fraud hipster edition. Oh. So it's a snowy day and I'm driving on slick roads and there was on the way over one car that was extraordinarily slow holding up the whole line and it turned out to be a Jeep with chunky <laughs> wheels. It's just going super slow. <laughs> it's going super slow and careful. And I said, I don't like people driving fast out of control, but this is a fake. That's not a Jeeper. Put that in four-wheel drive. You can at least drive straight. They are trying to look cool with their Jeep, and they should trade it for their Prius. <laughs> Caught a fake. What do you think of driving in the snow? I don't mind it. I was driving a, uh, a one of our house vans, just a little uh, uh, Mazda something, 94 Mazda, greenish gold color, two-wheel drive, spinning wheels at every stop sign, just getting going like five miles an hour. Um, yeah. You got to like take it, it yeah, slow gotta, on the acceleration, <laughs> right? Yep. Otherwise, you just stay there. Yeah. But I don't mind it. I, I don't particularly like it, um, mostly because of other drivers driving in the snow. Um, but there was somebody said uh, they were complaining about traffic, and then they had the realization sitting in traffic that they, too, are traffic. So I'm also one of those other drivers <laughs> in the snow. So really what I want to say is everybody, it snows, just hang out at home. Just chill out. <laughs> hey, I like that, too. Oh, the weather outside <laughs> is frightful. So uh, green and gold, so you're a Eagles fan, apparently. Uh, when I drive that van, I suppose. What did you think of the game? I went to bed at halftime. Oh, <laughs> I heard it was a good game. Yeah. Um, I was watching the first half. It was fun. We have a bunch of Chiefs fans here at the seminary. So, of course, I was rooting against them. Um, but we were also out on the roof. Uh, there's like a roof patio at the oh, Lord's yeah. house. Cool. And we had the game projected up on the, the wall. And it was a lot of fun. Uh, I was smoking a cigar, but it was getting cold. And I didn't go in and get like another jacket. Yeah. And so my hand, because I'm just smoking this like big cigar, was freezing yeah. and so then i switched it to the other hand and then that hand was freezing and then i finally finished it because father wallace had given it to me and he said hey man i'm only gonna give you one of the good ones if you're gonna smoke the whole thing yeah and i said i can do that um but i was so cold like my hands were so cold i think my core temperature was dropping <laughs> i just smoked a big cigar and so i think my my circulation's down and i go inside at halftime and i was like I don't know if I was pre-hypothermic or something, but I was so cold that I just had to go curl into my bed under my covers to try and warm up. And like half an hour later, my hands were still like. Did you have like the violent shiver? I didn't ever get the shiver, so I don't think I went. I went that far, but I just kind of stayed in bed at that point. And I'm like, well, I'm gonna no go to sleep. <laughs> Yay! I don't know. It wasn't frostbite, but what I definitely if you was cold. Maybe like had a a mic stand. That you load the cigar onto, <laughs> have it stick in there, so that you can keep your hands warm. <laughs> the the mic uh, mic mounts are about the right size, huh? 
I could do that. I don't, yeah, know. I don't know. It was a good That'd game. Get weird. Uh, Chiefs. Chiefs won by three. Last <laughs> second field goal. In case um, I didn't know. So yeah, if you hadn't watched it yet, that's uh, that's on Spoiler. you. Spoiler. Um, the it was good for the seminary. All the Kansas City guys were happy. So well, you had a whole community uh, over there at Lords. I yeah. was really that was yeah. fun. I had to run um, and hear confessions for two hours. Uh, that sounds kind of begrudgingly, <laughs> but you know, I just couldn't stay. I would say it that way. Um, so I got to watch opening drive, and, and then you had to like, go. Yeah, yeah. Father Mike showed up with his. Uh, what year was it? 95 or 97? 97, 97 Broncos Elway jersey. Super Bowl Super champs. Super Bowl champs. Um, so, yeah, he was pretty stoked to, Let's go. to show up. I like football, and I tried following it this year, but the Broncos were awful, and it was sad um, as a Bronco fan. So I think that game, it was like neither of these are my team. I'm not like a hater. I know that's like considered being a good fan. You have to hate these certain teams. And I don't really care to hate. I just want to cheer for a team that I like or like a good game. Which it was. If I'm not invested in either team as my team, then I just want a good game. And it was. Oh, yeah, totally. Good play. These are the top top tier teams. Yeah, they were the best, I suppose. That's alliteration. Top tier teams. I guess they're the best the whole year. I didn't follow this year. I had been, played fantasy football for years with the seminarian teams, and I think this year I had some guys get injured early, and I just gave up week two or three, and I did not follow football for the first time in probably a decade. So, That's okay. Some people know. get hooked, and I was like yeah. kind of obsessive. Big things happening in my life too, so it's not. Yeah, <laughs> you focus on focus on the right things. <laughs> You're going to be ordained a deacon this Saturday. Today is Wednesday. We're recording uh, Wednesday. You'll be listening, if you listen right off the top, uh, Thursday. I'll be ordained two days later, Saturday. Yeah, so you can pray for him before he's ordained. Yeah. And you have to, they'll call your name and say that you are worthy. Yes, yes. And then you say... I don't say anything when they say are they worthy. Oh, That's somebody no. else's part. I say this was a long time when ago. They, when me, they call right? my name, I say present. Present, yes. <laughs> and then, uh, uh, yeah, the vicar will read out. Uh, he'll be questioned: Are these men worthy? And he will have to say, after uh, surveying the Christian people, these men have been found worthy. And we're really hoping there's not going to be like a gag in that. Like he's been found <coughs> worthy. Yeah, uh, we're hoping we're hoping we're actually found worthy. Um, <laughs> or this guy was enough. <laughs> it just squeaked by. Um, so part of the process, maybe talk about the process, or for I will just mention, you've got years and years of seminary. There's a point when you become a candidate, yep. so you kind of put yourself forward and say, I believe this to be my call, and I am committing myself toward in the direction of being ordained. Yep. So Then when you're, you're kind of putting it in the hands of the church, mm-hmm. right? And then... Your call is confirmed, so you can't just say, I, kn- I know, and I'm going to get ordained. Yeah. The church has to say, we, we want you. We, we have found this guy well. to be worthy, and um, so and that initially, you should ordain him. initially happens kind of at candidacy, because the first couple years of seminary, you've applied, you've been accepted, so there's like a, okay, we see enough of a, a sign of a calling. Um, but the first couple years is kind of more private discernment. Um, then when you make candidacy... Uh, which varies depending on diocese, but uh, generally around your first theology year, um, 
you become a candidate where you express that I believe uh, for these reasons that I have a calling um, and I will, uh, you know, tend to this calling and uh, continue in my formation and strive uh, for virtue. And then the church will accept that and say, we also see a vocation in you. And so uh, we affirm you publicly. So it's kind of uh, like a, the first public affirmation of the church that we uh, made this man a candidate for priesthood. And then um, there's the minor orders. Uh, but this is like really minor orders, the, the three years, two years before diaconate. Yeah. Theo one. The candidacy. Yeah. Yeah. And then we're ordained towards the end of Theo three. Uh, deacons, and then when you say minor orders, or well, they're not actually minor were, orders, but the, what months were now the uh, ministries um, of acolyte and, and lector we receive kind of as waypoints, and those are actually really cool because you can think of them as oh, this is just kind of a holdover from the old orders, and we're kind of giving lip service to it, or maybe it's just like ah, oh, this is something to keep the guys going. Um, but what's actually really cool, they are connected with the actual orders uh, and ordinations. So with the um, lector, you receive um, symbolically a Bible from the bishop who's uh, instituting you as a lector. And the idea is that you will um, spread and proclaim the word by your life in the world uh, as well as at Mass. And then at Acolyte, you receive um, one of the vessels, either um, uh, Saboria with, with the host, which there's some question on that because you receive uh, that when you're, you're ordained, but you receive a vessel with the, uh, either the bread or the wine um, because as an acolyte, you are uh, closer to the altar. You're tasked with um, caring for, protecting uh, the altar, the Eucharist, the sacred vessels. Um, you, you can um, uh, purify the vessels uh, for, for the priest at that point. And so there's this connection to the altar with acolytes. So a connection with the word, lector connection with the altar and the vessels with acolyte and then in the deacon ordination and those two are you're instituted you're not ordained instituted uh, to the ministry Uh, but then in the diaconate ordination we will receive the book of the gospels and and we'll have whose herald you have become (laughs) exactly Uh, (laughs) teach what you believe Um, but we have this reception of the gospels which now we are proclaiming in a public manner in the church, uh, and protecting and, and sharing the gospel again. So there's the connection between lector and deacon with that, and then when you're ordained a priest, you receive um, the sacred vessel and uh, at, in the ordination because you now are the minister of the altar uh, and you consecrate. And so there's a connection between acolyte and priest. So that there's actually um, kind of a rhyme reason to... Uh, Is to it weird do. for me to compare it to... Candidacy as engagement and if you want ordination is the I don't kind of commitment <laughs> final commitment. Yeah, I don't that love one. these because you get into like okay, well, is 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 this engagement? And then I go into a three year engagement. I don't like that. Yeah, the whole thing um, is kind of weird. But then and comparison. then there's like, well, what's diaconate versus priesthood? And then somebody's like, well, maybe it's betrothal. And then like the wedding. And I'm like, or maybe it's you know diaconate. And maybe priesthood. it's different. <laughs> yeah, and let's not use an analogy. <laughs> but similar. Yeah, I mean, there's Sad there's a analogy. public kind of a public proclamation of of the church's um, affirmation of you and your affirmation of your own vocation um, in, in candidacy. And then finally the church is ordaining you uh, to be a minister, which is conforming to Christ. 
Do you feel any butterflies or cold feet, currently, as they say? Currently, cold no. fingers yeah. from the cold fingers. That was an isolated, separate event. Uh, no, right now I do not. Um, I can. T- this week I haven't. Maybe the night before, day of. Um, my butterflies came about two weeks ago. I I had bought my alb. I think I shared this last time with Father John, but I bought my alb. RSVPs were coming in for the mass and the reception, and it just kind of started feeling. Like, I guess the reason the butterflies happen is it feels like it started feeling like it was inescapable. Yeah. (laughs) Um, It was like, oh, man, if I were to change my mind now, it's a real thing. But so there's just like a a fear of, I think, just that, oh, yeah, commitment is happening, Uh, which is is good because it's an acknowledgement of like the the gravity of the thing. Um, But thankfully, I was able to go on retreat like two days after I kind of had that experience and then just had a wonderful peaceful uh five-day silent retreat came back and it was two weeks to ordination it was like all right that's wise that they have you go on into like deep time of prayer before you uh, the church mandates it in canon law we call it the canonical retreat oh i don't know if it's actually called that but that's what we call it because you have to go on at least a five-day silent retreat before receiving orders oh here you go the more you know you have to make a confession yep you do I don't okay. think so. You should. I made that, I made you that should. up. That no, a, that's not actually in the canon. You should. Uh, it's we, like w- before you get married, you should make yeah, a good confession. Yeah, because even if the uh, the sacrament can be affected, right? But if you if you have, you know, sin can kind of clog up the conduit of grace so that mm. the sacrament happens, the grace is bestowed, but can you receive it fully? So it's a good... Well, I should yeah make a caveat for anyone who's ordained or could be confused. There's... A, there's an independence to the the worth of the of the ordinand yeah. that is the deacon or the priest. So no matter what state your soul is in at the time, you should be in a state of grace. You should be an absolute saint. Yeah. Um, but you're ordained, and the graces of ordination mm-hmm. are not sort of scaled to your degree of holiness <laughs> <Yeah>. of sorts. Because <laughs> I believe that happens with the. Um Confirmation as well. And confirmation, actually, you're supposed to make a confession before. Is it? Um, but but within, still, within the, same, the, lead. the same applies. The it, graces the of the sacraments are, are there and happen. Independent um, of the... I actually think, so side note, like I, I was somewhat open, um, I think, to the grace of confirmation. I was excited about it, but I was also just, you know, had interior stuff going on. Um, I think I had like an outpouring of the graces of confirmation from the holy spirit like two years later Mm. um after like a really good confession that there there was just a change yeah and it felt like oh this was i i unlocked what i had already received yeah um so i can see that yeah i right and i think you as you grow in holiness um throughout life your witness becomes more and more effective so there is a a power of the witness of a, a holy deacon or priest that's different. It's just that you can't take away, it doesn't invalidate the no. ordination. I don't know how we got down this either. road. I just wanted to be it's careful yeah. not to make people think that that guy was ordained was not. 30%, you know? Yeah, no, so you got 70% happens. ordination. Okay, so you are going through all these feelings. What's the, um, what is the, the diaconate? What will be different about you? after Saturday morning than now. 
I get to wear uh, the vestments that have cool arms, cool sleeves. The Dalmatic? Yeah. Uh, cool is relative. <laughs> no, I just some of the deacons like to say that the, the Dalmatic's cooler than the Chasuble because it has sleeves. I don't know. Oh, boy. Please don't no. be that guy. No. Fashion, uh, <laughs> fashion guy. <laughs> that is not what changes. Um, the, the diaconate imparts the uh, character of Christ the servant. So you're ordained uh, into the ministry of Christ the servant to assist at the altar, uh, to serve the church as Christ served the church. Um, and so the, uh, I don't have the exact words um, for the prayer of ordination for a deacon, but the, um, the words, the necessary words, are about the uh, sevenfold grace of the Holy Spirit coming down upon you. So there's this long, kind of beautiful prayer of ordination that Archbishop prays, but the essential words are um, that the, the sevenfold graces of the Holy Spirit come upon, uh, come down upon this man and fill him. So again, there's a connection to baptism, to confirmation, to now the graces received are for this ministry, for this mission, to serve the church, to um, proclaim the gospel, to ser- assist at the altar, uh, and to take on that role of, of servant uh, that Christ has said, I've, I've come not to be served, but to serve. And What's the word for service in Greek? Hi, man. I'll fail you. I will fail you. Fail me now. I can't remember. Diakonos. Here we go, dog. <laughs> um, I went all just into Latin. I was like, that's not it. Um, diakonos. <laughs> yeah, diakonos. So, um, and service of the poor. Mm-hmm. I hope that's on your mind. And yes. it's true about all of the deacons. So not only in, in our, I don't know if this is according to canon law, but at least in our diocese, every deacon is given not only a, um, a, a, a parish to serve, particular responsibilities in that parish, which are standard for the liturgy, and then um, some task of serving the poor, some charitable apostolate. Yeah. But which, I don't know if you guys get that as transitional. Yeah, I don't know either. I do know that kind of goes back, or definitely goes back to Acts of the Apostles with the original deacons. Yeah, They were there to uh, serve, to minister to the widows, to uh, assist the communities. Um, right. So that the apostles could pray and preach and preach, yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, so that brings me around. I don't know if you're trying to kind of lead, give you a little soft, lead in softball in the direction that. of a, a topic that yeah. he already knows but doesn't know kind of where <laughs> it, where it might go. So that you're talking about Acts seven, and you're talking about Stephen and these other the other guys, Stephen newly, and the other guys. That's how we know ordained. him, right? Yeah, deacons. <laughs> There's controversy, actually, about whether or not you're talking about priests that were ordained, and Stephen being a priest. They are ordained to serve, so it's using the, the verb diaconane, you know. Mm-hmm. But they're ordained as a kind of second tier under the bishops, the apostolic bishops. Yeah. And uh, that's, that's neither here nor there. In the tradition <laughs> of the church, the rites of diaconate ordination make reference to... Stephen and the other deacons, and to the Levites, which is a, a, another kind of interesting group of high priests, priests, and Levites. Um, but I want to talk about an underrated—no, not underrated—ignored altogether. I would say unknown. Altogether ignored great deacon of the earliest church, of the Pauline churches. And Stephen gets all the shine— and when the spotlight is drawn entirely on Stephen, you got Epaphus, who is humbly serving 
in the shadows. <laughs> Epiphus, who's that? That's right. <laughs> so you remember at the Last Supper in Luke's gospel, Jesus says, um, don't be like the, um, the, the rulers of the nations who want to lord their power over people and want to be known as benefactors, but be like the least, be like me who came to serve rather than to be served. And this is all deacon language, diakonos, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and then you get, you know, some of these examples throughout the Gospels some t- or throughout the New Testament. Sometimes they're recognized. It's hard to know whether this word diakonos is being used technically, that is, as an ordained deacon, or if, if it's used um, more colloquially, like a servant. Mm-hmm. So often it's translated as you know, a servant or a helper in the local church or parish. Let me read this from Colossians. So Epaphras, it really frames the letter to the Colossians. He's going to show up at the beginning and at the end, and he's going to be praised by Paul, kind of like the chief um, character praised by Paul. So I'm starting with 1, 3 to 8. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel. So it's been proclaimed to them, the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world is bearing fruit and growing. So among yourselves from the day you heard and understood the grace of God in truth, as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. Servant there is Diakonos. Diakonos. He is a faithful minister. Minister there is Diakonos Hmm. of Christ on our behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. So a number of things. He's proclaimed the gospel. Um, He's spoken the word of truth. He he has clarified it. So you've heard it and you've understood it, the grace of God in in truth. Um, They learned it from Epaphras, and he has been a faithful minister. Okay? Um, Okay, let's fast forward. That's That's the opening praise of Epaphras who stands out as like the main servant of this community, right? Um, the word is deacon. I don't know if that's a technical thing or a colloquialism like we had said. So in 4.12 and 13, this is at the end when Paul more, more often than not gives a greeting at the beginning and then says, hey, say, say hello to this person, this person, this person. They're cool. Um, <laughs> kick out that guy. He is a jerk. And, uh, bring my coat. Bring my Bible. <laughs> bring my stuff. God bless you all. So <laughs> this is 412. Epaphras, who is one of yourselves, a servant of Christ Jesus, servant, diakonos, right? Uh, Epaphras, who is one of yourselves, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets oh, you. I've got doulos. Oh, no, On you're right. One. You're right. Okay, I didn't have that in, in parentheses. Yeah. You're right. That's a doulos. Um, but that also helps us to distinguish here between minister, diakonos, and servant, doulos. Mm. So there, there probably is a technical use of deacon here as the minister. Okay, a servant of Christ Jesus greets you, always remembering you earnestly in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and in Hierapolis, Right? So I just want to point out in this list, kind of identify various characteristics that I encourage you to adopt in your (laughs) diaconate ministry. I should make this note 
as well, that every priest and every bishop is a deacon and remains a deacon. So the graces of orders somehow build on each other. The fullness of orders is in the, the participation of the bishop in the priesthood of Christ, and then um, a priest, and then a deacon. So the priest is also a deacon. The bishop is also a priest and a deacon, right? Okay, so this all applies to me, and it's a, <laughs> it's a good examination of conscience uh, for me. Okay, so the first point that we saw was that the deacon is a kerux, that is one who announces the gospel or the kerygma for the people to hear. Okay, often enough in this, um, with this kind of term, the messenger of the kerygma, what you're dealing with in the New Testament is a witness, you know, someone who announces, look at my life and what Jesus has done for me. Jesus can do this for you. Look at how Jesus is alive in the world. Um, Jesus is doing this for us. They're kind of, here's the good news, essential good news about Jesus. Jesus has revealed to us the Father. If you want to know God, come to know Jesus, these kind of things, mm-hmm. right? And here witness typically is martyr, right? Yeah, that's the martyr, right? Um, so the messenger, um, have you checked this off the box? What does uh, that witness look like for you, or what has it been? I'm not trying to put you to the test. I, it's almost a way of recognizing the grace of God. and um, Witnessing in the church now or in, uh, well, in the seminary? Well, any time in life. Um, I don't know. I, there, there's something cool about our baptism that uh, uh, Father Selen, we were talking, had kind of a cool image of like this guy, he's just like a mechanic, Joe, in the grocery store. And he has no idea that because his soul's in the state of grace, just this grace is just kind of pouring out of him yeah. and like assisting the world. And and I think forgetting, forgetting that being a Christian in the state of grace is transformative for the world. Absolutely. Um, I think of a couple of times, um, I remember maybe in college, um, yeah, especially just kind of a, a boldness uh, to talk with strangers Um not like accosting them by any means, but um, not being afraid of, of uh, encountering people. Um, and I think that was probably the first moment of kind of witness of mm-hmm. the faith. I'm thinking of one time in Canada, uh, we were in Niagara Falls with a, a group of students from Steubenville and uh, the World Series, the playoffs were going on. And so like all the guys were in at this restaurant watching the game and these girl, the girls were out kind of at the, kind of seeing some of the sights. Um, and one of them kind of comes running into the restaurant and is like, hey, can some of you guys come out? There's this guy. Uh, he's kind of in this like debate with, with one of the girls, kind of this theological debate. And uh, I guess what had happened was she was wearing a crucifix, and he just kind of like walked by, saw her, and said, you know that's all a bunch of BS. You know that's all fake. Like, what are you doing? And so she just kind of was like, what do you mean? Why do you, like, Why do you think that's okay, one? And then two, why do you think that's the case? Um, and so the girls, they were a little bit, little bit uncomfortable. Like, it's this guy, and there's like four of them, and... So they asked if a couple of us could come out. And uh, I was, I kind of just got out there and listened a little bit and then immediately jumped in to kind of the, the back and forth, the repartee with this guy. And um, it's this really cool moment of kind of the Holy Spirit says, you know, do not, do not prepare your words before 
uh, I will give you yeah. the words. And scripture was coming to mind that like, I'm not a scripture verse type of guy, but I was able to just say like, well, here in John, here in, you know, um, just recounting catechism, recounting, you know, apologetic arguments, just things that like, I don't even know where all this is coming from. And just really being able to engage it. And, and me and Colleen were able to just kind of like, kind of go back and forth with this guy for probably 15, 20 minutes. And by the end, he went from being like super kind of like, I don't even know what prop, you know, prompted him to kind of like be hostile and attacking to kind of just being like, you know, guys, I'm, you haven't convinced me, but I've never met a Christian who could actually like respond to these things. Oh. So that was kind of cool. It's like a witness yeah. moment. Um, and then just being at, uh, being at the parish, being um, at different parishes, teaching, um, living life, uh, kind of little acts of service when you can um, are, are ways. Uh, Father Tony Davis was a, a great example for me um, of how to witness, not necessarily with the, the preaching or teaching, but when he was at St. Cajetan's, um, he would just work what needs to be done. So he'd be like fixing a roof. He'd be fixing plumbing. He'd be fixing... Wait, we're not there yet. Oh, Epiphys will get there. Okay, well, the witness of his life in doing this actually won him over to, to the people that he was with. That um, the, the parishioners there saw yeah. him caring for the the church and said, wow, I can trust this guy. So and the, you'll see, okay, you'll see a witness. million of these opportunities in the parish and, and in the world. Um, everything like you're going to go bring um, communion to the sick yeah. and there's going to be a whatever a kid of an old lady of old lady her um, her son is there and he cares about her he knows there's some love and everything and then he's going to um, he's going to see this whole thing of just bringing communion and it's going to be provocative. <laughs> and I think there's something provocative about the K rooks. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just a simple witness. Somebody will say, Hey, can I really forgive? Yeah. You know, you're there, you're at the greeting line in, at church or anywhere, you know, you're wearing a collar in public. Yeah. Which is, that was the other one I was going to share. It was, I generally, we wear clerics here at the seminary uh, when we're in class and then we wear them to apostolates and kind of like events, church events, but we don't, really wear them in public uh, unless we're coming to or from one of those things. And so generally driving home, you know, I take the collar out and just, you know, look like any old Joe driving home in traffic. But... Um, is that a knock on your brother? It is, yes. Any old <laughs> Joe. Um, no, the <laughs> coming coming up, though, I, I've been driving past, like, University of Denver or South High School or wherever it is driving home, and um, there's actually kind of this excitement of becoming a deacon and then kind of... Having an actual, because the thing I hate the most about wearing the clerics is when somebody comes up and like, hey, are you a priest? <laughs> and I'm like, well, not really, kind of like on my way. And then I have to explain what that is. And yeah, yeah. What's going on here? And then they just kind of like walk away. They're like, whatever. Um, but wearing it and, and being able to say, oh, I'm a deacon. Uh, yeah, I'm a deacon. I'll be a priest soon. It's going to be cool. You can explain what a deacon is and everything. Yeah, yeah it'll be great. Don't, um, it'll be like the crucifix that that girl was wearing. <laughs> And, um, I mean, this is something that every Christian baptized is meant to be in a certain way. But remember, there are people who Jesus said, hey, come follow me, or he sends 72, or uh, he sends some people back. Samaritan mm -hmm. woman, you go back to town. Yeah. Um, some of the people he's healed. So I think there is a sense of with the, the common priesthood of the baptized, there's a call to all this stuff. But... There's a particular call. 
for yeah. those with orders. So you're going to wear the, the collar. It's going to be a good provocative sign. Try to be a good example. And um, don't make it your only... It's like a crutch. The it can become witness. a crutch, <laughs> right? So it's like you're not going to talk to people about Jesus anymore. You're not going to proclaim your um, your witness because you think, ah, this is enough. Or, oh, just wearing it. Yeah. yeah. So I've been tempted to that. That's why I'm yeah. going to warn you. Okay. He's a carex. He announces the charisma. He's, so he's a, he's a witness. That's part of his ministry. Uh, Epaphras is a teacher. So he helps people to understand. Right, you're clarifying yeah. things. You're teaching. That'll be true in your preaching, and then you'll probably have assignments in the uh, in the parish. Right? Yep. Maybe you'll be teaching RCIA, or you'd be teaching the kids, or you'd be teaching marriage preparation, or I don't. Which parish are you? I'm at Our Lady of Lords right now. Uh, we'll find out where I go after. I, I should be there for the the rest of the school year here. Um, well, yeah, no, I I love. Uh, the parish assignments I've had where I've gotten to teach, uh, definitely a, um, I guess, a confirmation of the, the vocation. I was at uh, St. Gianna Mola, um, Gianna Breda Mola here in, in Denver last summer with Father Jason Shout Wunsch. out Father Jason Wunsch. And uh, he was like, well, man, i got to find something for you to do, so why don't you teach a class on the Psalms? And I said, all right, let's do it. Oh, that's right. And, uh, yeah, just kind of diving into the Psalms and, taught for four weeks in a row and then father kind of did a fifth week teaching on praying the liturgy of the hours but really just loved that um, loved the preparation but then the ability to to teach um a structure of studying the psalms but what i particularly loved was when people had questions and either having the answer again there's there's this time of like when uh when you're in that moment there's just like man where'd that come from <laughs> I don't remember, you know, studying it somewhere. You've um, got great examples over there at Lourdes. We've got, yeah, Deacon Tom uh, and uh, Deacon Daryl at Lourdes. And then you got Fathers Brian Fathers and Brian Sean and Vitold. Funny story about that. So Father Sean, just while I just got a tangent here. Father Sean, I'm serving Mass at the 10 o'clock Mass this last Sunday, and uh, it's the last Mass I'll be serving just as an altar server. I'll be Deacon next week. Um and Father Sean's announcing that I'll be having, you know, I'll be assisting at the 8 a.m. Mass, and I'll be preaching at that Mass. And <laughs> people might, yeah, please please don't crowd that Mass if you're, if you're planning on coming now. Uh, but uh, if Father Sean goes, yeah, he's going to totally uh, probably put me and Father Brian and Father Vito to shame. And little Luke Shree, who's serving next to me, uh, just leans over and he's like, you better not mess up now. Oh, dear. <laughs> Put the pressure on. Right? Yeah, now you got the fear and trembling. <laughs> you weren't shivering in the cold, but, but then it was like, be. oh no, I'm going to stay behind the, you know, the ambo for uh, keeping my knees from quaking. So they're but, great teachers, and I, I hope not only are you um, teaching Bible studies, teaching our, all this yeah. stuff. We don't say RCIA anymore, but I don't know. OCIA, OCIA, Order of Christian Initiation for Adults. I'm teaching you. Right now. You're teaching. And yeah, I appreciate <laughs> that. You are teaching with this podcast, and there's going to be a lot of um, kind of avenues and surprises, I think. But I will make this request that uh, you use the homilies and the, the opportunities to preach to teach a little something regularly. You know, pe- there's a complaint, generally speaking, that Catholics are poorly catechized. Mm. Um, at large, you know, there's there's certainly exceptions to that, but that doesn't mean you'd have to get them in a class. 
Now, yeah. if you can do catechism in a year with Father Mike Schmitz, do it. It's excellent, and I keep hearing good things from everybody. But uh, there's opportunities with every homily. Mm-hmm. That said, it's not a lecture. Yeah. Don't bore them. <laughs> to have a point that you're teaching, not... Don't you know, just you know, moralize. You should do this. You need to do this. You need to be better here. Right. Don't so do that's, that. That's the opposite, is you could... But, a lot of homilies teach nothing. Also, not just like facts, or just like this saint lived at this time. Yeah, well, you can do that as long as it's simple. Well, it's good, but I think also like the teaching. But there's, there's, you want to have a takeaway and something that kind of reaches the heart. Sure. Um, yeah. As so, you can include whatever stories pump up. I just am bored when. All the preaching is just a pep talk every time. You know what I mean? It's like a pep rally. You don't really learn anything. There's nothing new. Or Father tells a, a cute story about his own life or something that he read on a Hallmark card. Mm. And then, you know, uh, Jesus loves you, which is true. But there's so much to learn. So you're on Catholic stuff you should know. <laughs> if you, you obviously are somebody that... Um, is interested in knowing stuff and has stuff to we'll find teach. out. Okay, so he's a KRX, he's a witness to the to the charisma, to the gospel, the good news of Jesus. He's a teacher, um, so he helps other people to understand. He's a poet. Um, now the, I can get behind this one. Jode Losas. Jode Losas. That what's it translated to? Oh, uh, what is he after? He has made known to us your love in the spirit. Uh, the one who is making known your love in the spirit. But in Greek, that's actually more like a poet. Yeah, or, I, I say... you interpret it that way. How do you make known the love of the spirit? Yeah. I, I say the, uh, the poet. Yeah, he, he's, he loves something and he can describe it. He can put imagery to it. Yeah. He can put flesh and onto something that is... Indescribable, isn't that what a poet does? An oh, artist, yeah. yeah to they make to make known uh, kind of an in, ineffable thing, uh, in at least from some angle, uh, a way that can be ingested, but isn't just. Um, it's not. I don't know. It's not like a biology class where you're dissecting. It's not like uh, it's not exploring a dead thing, or like teaching with definitions yeah. and everything. Yeah, but it's it's kind of the. The lived, the the alive kind of dynamism of a thing, kind of within experience and yeah. You look at a person. How how do you describe them? Yeah. Is poetry? You know, you could identify. Okay, you're good at this. You're good at this. But like, about what five is foot their six, spirit? brown hair, blue eyes. <laughs> or what do you catch yeah. when you go to visit this family and you spend yeah. time with them and you just say, "Wow, that's like unique," right? And this is the this is the poet who celebrates the love of his community. Mm. So he can recognize things, honor things, right? We try to do that as companions, to recognize the best and to see where something is unique and be able to to point that out. You know. So the po- the poet, I say, um, we're gonna have a uh, we're gonna have a poetry section of the Substack if we ever get that. There we go. Uh, <laughs> That's right. And in praise of our parish communities. Yeah. Yeah. You should see Dorothy. She is, you know, there is no one who is a better seamstress in the world. She has been given the art of arachnes, and uh, she has been blessed by Our Lady and by the po- uh, the the artist Saint Luke, who fills her uh, who fills her spirit, who has possessed her. Can I? Say, uh, I don't know if I can say. I can say the we'll spirit of Luke has inspired. Uh, inspired. Okay, <laughs> here we go. Okay, so he's a, he's a poet who 
names, identifies, and celebrates the love of his community, the specific love. Yeah. Okay, he's also one with his people, one from among you, ho ex Simon. Yeah. I love that it's connected to the people, that there's a mm-hmm. grounding with the people, that they, where he comes from or where he's sent to, but there's still a grounding from the people. And there's a prophetic element with the poetic element. Because the prophet isn't exclusively you know, making prof- prophetic statements about the future. The prophet interprets God in the now. What is God doing here? And so I love that it's, it's about the community. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there's this interpretation, the poet-prophet yeah. combo. Who is this person among, who is this leader within the community? Yeah. And it's not for him, but he's, he's interpreting for the community. Yeah, he's, he's sort of on behalf of, right? Um, one from among can also say, you know, be humble in the words of Kendrick Lamar. Sit be down. humble. That's the hardest one for Sit me. Down. You're going to have to like, humble. humble me weekly. Mic. Well, just to, don't get too big for your britches. And I see this. Trust me. Yeah. And I do this. So it's, and it's a temptation. Especially when you're in the spotlight, you feel yeah. like you have to be different. You have yeah. to be more impressive. You have to be right, good at everything. You have to be perfect. You have to know everything. So he is one among the people, I think, can be um, this representative of the people. Like you just, what, yeah. same, Pope Francis. Pope Francis says, smell like the sheep, right? Mm-hmm. That's the servant is just another dude, another part of the family with a certain role within the church you know, yep. rather than, um, I don't know, even leader is a kind of a funny word. Yeah, going back Serving. to the do not lord it over them uh, like the world does. Do yeah. not let your your leadership be felt. Uh, it's not, we're to lead not in um, not in a authoritarian way, but in an educative way. Yeah, in a participatory way. So yeah. one among, one with his people. Um, he's a servant of Christ Jesus. Right, so he's not only a servant of the community, but he's a servant of Christ Jesus. So you're going to spend extra time mm-hmm. in prayer, right? You're going to go. Part of your your dedication to the um, to the service of the people is going to be an intercessory role, and it's going to be fostering your devotion to both the scriptures and to the Eucharist. So this is a time to really double double down on your. Eucharistic devotions and your commitment to holy hours or adoration, and then also read the Bible. Read the Bible all the time, you know, as often as you can, um, as a servant of Christ Jesus, right? And yeah. and just to imitate his life. Maybe that's part of it, too. Yeah. Well, I, as, as an imitator, too, um, I love Jesus said, I've done nothing except what I've seen the Father doing. Uh, and then he says do this in memory of me, which explicitly is the liturgical act of the Last Supper, the, the Eucharist. Um, but what's kind of taken in the, in the totality of that is kind of like everything that I have done and proclaimed and everything that the Holy Spirit, which I send you, is going to remind you of. Mm. Do this in remembrance of me as well. So there's a, just as, as Christ does what he sees the Father doing, he's calling his discipulos, his, his uh, uh, students, to do what we see him doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's imitation. And how, how do we do that? By actually observing him, by reading the Gospels and saying, oh, wow. I, um, just share a prayer experience of like this past week. I was just struck by um, the miracles of God 
the miracles of Jesus in the gospel. And I just was praying through some of them and reading some of them, and I just was able to make this prayer of like, Lord, praise you that I believe in a God who works miracles, you know, because I'm actually looking at him working miracles in the gospels. And we say, oh, why don't we see signs now? And then he's like, well, he speaks to some of them who are saying that in the gospels and say, even if you were to see a sign, yeah. you wouldn't believe it. While he's doing a bunch of signs. Yeah, like right yeah. next to it. So, And um, the life is full of signs. So I love that, yeah, the, the exhortation to read the, the scriptures, to read yeah, the gospels. Yeah, to be a servant of Christ Jesus. And I think... Uh, well, and then the, like a servant looking upon the hand of her... Her, yeah, her of the maid, master, of the yeah. master, the maid, like the servant looks to see what the the master is doing, so that the servant can can do it before even being asked mm. or kind of chided into it. Yeah, that's there's cool. A, there's a like looking to the master, anticipating so as to certain interests. Yeah. So, the last note on this um, servant of Christ Jesus for me is that um, the diaconate for me, and I also see a lot of deacons and those who are. Uh, preparing for diaconate are very in like can reduce it to the pragmatic what what are you what's a deacon and then you say well i can do this i can do baptisms i can do weddings i can do i'm supposed to preach at mass i'm supposed to um assist at the altar that's all pragmatic right this one i'm i'm a man who lives in the shadow of christ and who is a servant of christ jesus within the parish and within a particular community of which I am a part. So kind of keeping the heart of that as I've been given the privilege of a life exclusively dedicated to Jesus, which is also part of the, the celibacy, right? Mm-hmm. That we've been afforded time and space to be able to pray yeah. more than, you know, other people who have kids in the kids in the cradle, you yep. know, and to take to soccer practice. And I hear, uh, I hear do not squander that. I mean, there's the... Um, to who much is given, much will be asked. Yeah. And I think we all too often, myself included, for, for many years, look at celibacy as this kind of restrictive, sorrowful, sad reality that, oh, we have to make this great sacrifice for God. And it's, as opposed to, we, the church talks about it as a charism, as a grace, as a gift. Uh, and so to who much has been given, this charism of celibacy. Mm. So as, as St. Paul says, uh, to be attentive to the Lord at all times. Um, well, that's a great gift, but also, are you going to be attentive to the yeah, Lord at all times? There's an expectation you know? for so, sure. So, and not, be merciful yeah. on yourself. Yeah, be patient. Mm-hmm. You know, it's hard to definitely. It's hard to keep up with the standard. Companions talk about that. There's oh, this yeah, the ideal. Jesus is the ideal priest, yeah. and it, it, to to keep up with him is <laughs> both. An, a constant call. Yeah. You can't give up on it. But a constant I, call. I think there's the a mix humbling of, reality. of acknowledging like the impossibility of that for yourself. And yet, um, I think sometimes we, we discount grace and we discount like belief and, and taking, you know, taking, uh, at Jesus's word, um, that he will do these things for us. Yeah. That he will make this possible. Like sometimes I think we can get caught in, I am, I'm such a sinner. I'm so terrible. I've done this. I've been, I've, I've been this, I've, I've been this type of sinner and, and I must uh, repent all the time. And it's like, yeah, but do you believe in the grace and the new life? Do you do the rebirth of baptism? Do you believe in the grace of confession that you've actually received grace? Not just that you've remitted of like punishment from the sin, but you've been welcomed back as the son, the old, you know, the, the, prodigal son and been given grace so as to live in the house of the father now and and sometimes i think 
we get a little pragmatic about the like, well, don't beat yourself up because that's one side of like, oh, I can't do this. Or, I'm so terrible. I'm failing constantly. That's that's toxic. That's going to kill your <laughs> spiritual life. That's going to kill your prayer, your relationship with God. But at the same time, I think we can get pragmatic on the other side yeah. where it's like, I don't really believe in the transformative power of grace that I can actually be a saint. Like, and yeah, I can't remember. Yeah. I think it was, was Jerome. Don't worry. Don't yeah, worry. Yeah. Don't worry. It's like, yeah, yeah. Jerome was talking about like, no, it's actually to, to seek, you know, glory in, in holy things. Yeah. So as to glory, God is holy a, ambition. Is a, holy ambition about. is a good yeah. desire. Yeah. And just, it's also a great witness, you know, when you're supposed to be a witness to the graces of Christ and the power of Christ, then to show people Change is possible, you know, holiness, growth and holiness. And, right, that's at the heart of, you know, yeah. sanctifying grace. And that's true for anybody. Okay, um, the six of seven is that he's a mighty intercessor. It says that he fights for his people constantly in prayer. I love that. Mm. The word is agony, you know. It's yeah. uh, agony. This what? is great. It's called harkens to the agony in the garden. Yep, exactly. He's a wrestler. He fights oh, for Jacob. it. Jacob. Yeah, the agony. Yes, Jacob, Jacob exactly. You're made for this, dude. Mm. So he's he's fighting for his people constantly in prayer. So, yes, he's fighting for his people, I, I don't know, maybe defending them from the secularism or the, the yeah. attacks of wickedness or vice or sin or whatever. But he's he's interceding for them. Yeah. And so he, the deacon is a special intercessor, and it uses the word mighty intercessor. He fights yeah. for them, you know. Find your strength in that ability to protect and father them yeah. um, this way. I love that. Um, that's part of uh, the Christian life, the charisms that the Lord's given me. I'm not going to share those stories. I'm not going to share it because that's part of the hidden life too mm-hmm. uh, that Father John and I talked about uh, months ago. But that hidden life in Christ in prayer and intercession, mm. um, I, I just, I'll say no more than hearing you say that consoles me immensely. Yeah, and, well. Uh, yeah, praise God, and 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 gives us that challenge. I mean, use that image, deacons, um, and then finally, he's a hard worker. Um, he's. Right, I'm gonna pray for all y'all. Pray for me for this one. This is yeah. I bear him witness. <laughs> hard Paul worker. ends that he has worked hard for you. And this is the one you're talking about with when I was saying Father Tony. Yeah, he was Father just working Tony. at the parish. He just always yeah. he he took care of what needed to be done, and it was a witness, but it was also an act of love uh, for the people for the parish. Yeah, and. Uh, yeah, I can I can grow there. And I think that's often what we think of when we're comparing um, this Lord sitting on his throne in his satin <laughs> sheets and everything as opposed to what what's the opposite of a servant is someone who's humbly working and yeah. who just does their, their work in quiet but works hard for mm-hmm. the sake of the church. And Which wonderfully... Uh, uh, let them remain anonymous, but there's some wonderful priests around here that do this and exemplify this for the seminarians that just, you see them, you know, doing little tasks and, you know, kind of picking up the slack of some of the seminarians in their house or, you know, taking care of the trash that the guy didn't, you know, take out yeah. when he was supposed to or dishes or um, just little things. Uh, I'm, I'm really edified by um, the deacons, the priests that will kind of see a person who's needing something or looking for something and then, go assist. It's not like, oh, well, I've got this thing I'm going to, but it's like, well, I've got time. Yeah. Um, and, and, or just see something at the parish or the whatever. Um, we have great priests here witnessing that. To I us. really appreciate that. And I do see that with the deacons who have been mm-hmm. ordained, these transitional deacons I've seen is that they really understand that 
leadership in their par- in their parish houses or among their seminary community really has a lot to do with um yeah that work in the background to support guys and pick them up and um yeah it's a beautiful thing to see and yeah i'm i'm proud of just kind of the the witness of the guys that i've seen with um with this this piece yeah and then remember with with any hard work um this is a challenge for me too i'm tend to be <laughs> um i i'm glad that i've been given the grace of orders that has <laughs> forced me to to work hard um in some ways i think i would rebel against that and still have that tendency but um remember that it's service remember that it's charity uh you'll get you can get burnt out and you can start to resent your work and all of that extra stuff. You could come out of the gate real strong and then wear out um, pretty quickly. So if you remind yourself that these are opportunities to love Jesus and to serve Jesus, even that dish, even that (laughs) brother who's, you know, you've got things to do, but that brother needs to take a walk with you or something. What came to me a couple weeks ago was uh, people before paperwork, Mm. but in the church, that paperwork's for the people. There you go. So you don't you don't get yeah, rid like of that. it, right? So it's like doing the baptismal records well, taking care of the marriage paperwork well. It's for the people, yeah. Right? And so it's you're meeting the people first, and it's always first about the people, but to serve them. All these administrative tasks, which I like intrinsically, kind of inherently hate, um, when it's at the service of another, is actually now can be a joy and an excitement. Um, yeah. You'll have My to remind purgatory. me of that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> three three years into marriage preps or something. I think but. this is where you talk to Father John and maybe Father Sean. <laughs> I, I, my purgatory will be answering emails. I am absolutely <laughs> certain of it. And hopefully I can clear my inbox before I die. Oh, okay. Man. So this is Epiphus. He is a, a boss uh, deacon. When you are bishop or pope, I'm not sure who can make the calendar, then <laughs> it has to be on the calendar for uh, celebration annually. That's not just to me. That's anybody that's listening to this. That is the uh, command of Father Mike. Who will be the... Whoever the whoever will be Pope. Whoever can commission for this. <laughs> so Epiphus, the deacon of the Colossians, and this guy is the, the messenger of the gospel. He's the teacher. He's a poet. He's one of the people. He's a servant of Christ Jesus, a mighty intercessor, and a hard worker. Amen. Love it. Okay. Go and, oh, okay. <laughs> Go and do that. Go and do that perfectly. <laughs> Go and make disciples. Yeah. Uh, shout out. You got any? I want to shout out the deacons at the cathedral. Deacon Jim Heatwall, Deacon Rob Rennie, Deacon William Martinez, and Deacon Charles Goldberg. Those are my guys. I learn from them every day, and I'm very grateful for their witness. And um, I'd also, Deacon Bill Ertmer from Meeker. He was a, a real stellar and... Um, exemplary uh, deacon that fits a lot of these character characteristics and I think was a real um, yeah just a great man and a great uh, gift to those parishes not to say that those other guys aren't I just remember really appreciating him and deacon Steve Valero who first uh, taught me how to serve the prisons and I really am grateful for that because it's been such a gift to me so uh, to all the deacons out there I'm sure I could, I could list a bunch yeah. from the, all the parishes I've served. Oh, and the deacon candidates. I've taught two classes of deacon <laughs> candidates, all the guys who are in the permanent diaconate. Right I know now. more of those guys than I 
think the actual ordained permanent deacons right now. They're fan, fan, fantastic. So yeah. I expect that you guys will listen to this and try to emulate the same virtues. <laughs> yeah, also uh, throw in there a shout out to Deacon Mike Daly. He's going to be my best in deacon. Got nice. to know him this year a bit. Um, so thank you for uh, uh, that service to me. Um, and then also shout out to John Donar. Yeah, John. I, yeah, he's a seminarian here, lives at the, the house with me. I trolled him a little bit today. Uh, we were tossing around this stress ball, me and uh, Deacon Tim Skoke. That's right after his Greek class, <laughs> John Donart. Yeah. And uh, we're, we're just throwing this back and forth playing catch, and John Donart walks through, and he goes, oh, no, I'm in danger, which he wasn't. He was like 30 feet away. But my, like, animal lizard brain said, oh, yeah, make him in danger. And so I just, like, turned and hucked this stress ball at him, no. intending to hit him. I mean, it's, like, less than less than a quarter of a pound. Not even. It's, like, a fluffy thing. Uh, but I just launched it at him. Did he get a black eye? <laughs> no, not quite. But I did. I, instead of getting him, like, in the gut, uh, I kind of got him on the, the back of the neck area. So... Apologies to John Donart. <laughs> I am uh, not sanctified in all ways. I still respond to impulse. Don't times. take revenge. <laughs> Don't take revenge. Vengeance this is, a, is mine. This is a public, Lord. public poli- or public apology. I but, forgot uh, uh, Deacon Daryl Neppel. Deacon Daryl Neppel. So yeah. close to the podcast, Father yeah. John's father, who is uh, just a joy. Also and a deacon at Lord's Ralby. So. Yeah, another epiphys among us. So thank you for listening. Thanks for the uh, encouragement. We want prayers for Deacon Jacob. Yes. Miss Reverend Mister. Yes. And all of his classmates. It's exciting. I'll be recording the next podcast with Father Sean on Ash Wednesday as Deacon Jacob. So that'll be uh, exciting. You'll be filled with the fire of the Holy Spirit. This podcast going to change completely. Just total 180. I think I was. I'm actually going to teach something. No, I think I was a deacon when we started this. I was a deacon, and John was a year behind 2010. me. 2010? It must have been, yeah. 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 That's wild, man. Dude, it's been great. It's been great. It's a beautiful a, life, dude. <laughs> I was not a deacon when you started. No, you were a child. <laughs> Just was, a child. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was in college. That's I, a I child. started college. As you get older, you'll know that that's <laughs> a child. You see these kids in college. All right, God bless you, God everybody. Bless you. Take care.